0: We suck again! From the EPR Creations studio, this is Jason Staples bringing you the Unconquered Podcast, scorching hot takes edition after a new program low. Florida State falling for the first time to an FCS program, losing on the final play after an abysmal performance for the other 59 minutes and 56 seconds. 20 to 17 to Jacksonville State. And while I would like to tell you exactly what I think about the game that ended 15 minutes ago, this is a family program, so I will do my best to self-censor at least a little. But it is safe to say that I am stunned by this, by by the entire game, but most of all by the final sequence. How does that happen on fourth and 10 from that spot on the field, 59 yards out? With six seconds left. How? All you have to do is make a tackle in bounds. If the ball goes more than 25 yards downfield and you make a tackle, the game is over. It's really simple. I mean, the analytics are clear on this, guys. Why were there any linebackers on the field, for one? There's nothing there's nothing that those guys offer you in that situation. You should have maybe you leave Amari Gaynor out there as an additional rusher. I think that's what I would have done. You go to the three-man line with your, your with your best three defensive line rushers, and then Gaynor rushing as a as an extra speed guy from the edge. And then everybody else on the field needs to be defensive backs. And beyond that, Why is there any defensive back within 15 yards of the line of scrimmage? Why are your corners playing tight enough that they're allowing anybody to run by them, to get over the top of them? And I I hate to pick on a guy who's going to be picked on by everybody for a long time about this. And a guy that has been really good in this program, who's completely bought in and has been a dog. But Jarvis Brownlee, if you're beat in that situation, all you have to do is tackle the guy. It's not a normal coverage situation. Even pass interference saves the game. The only thing you can't allow is a catch and run. Sidney Williams at safety. Just play everything over the top, let nothing get over over your head and play everything over the top so that you're coming downhill to the ball and you're fine. That was just incredibly, unbelievably, uh, unfathomably poor situational awareness across the board from every player that was on that field. And that's coaching, guys. That's horrible coaching. I I would say more, but in addition to this being a family program, it really is indescribably horrible. And even more mind-bogglingly, they actually got called for illegal substitution on that play. You talk about a giant bad thing that the that in terms of coaching just that can't happen i mean that that just can't happen now maybe the worst part of it aside from the just utter stupidity of the whole situation is that I felt it coming a couple minutes earlier. I had the thought about 3 plays earlier and I'm sure I wasn't the only one that was that was effectively they're going to win this on a Hail Mary, aren't they? They really are. The signs were there. The defensive line was completely gassed. I mean they were they were struggling to move at all and and they they just couldn't get the pressure that you would expect from them. And you could just see the way that that this team was was playing at that point. They're, they're going to do something stupid, and this is going to happen, isn't it? But even given that, that sort of premonition, I, I didn't expect to see that. I mean, this is this is a new low, certainly, in terms of the program on the field. I and mean, you've never lost before to an FCS program. Been close quite a few times. Actually, a couple times they should have lost in the past. They've played with fire too many times against in, in these games. And actually, in some cases, worse than this one. But they weren't that utterly and completely stupid at the end to actually lose the thing. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the defensive coordinator, Fuller, deserves a lot of the blame at his feet for how that final drive and particularly that final play were called, and for personnel and other things in that situation. But I mean, beyond that, I mean, the buck stops at the head coach on this stuff. The head coach basically determines the situational stuff. I mean this is situational stuff that you try to make sure you handle in the in the preseason. If we're in the if we're in this situation, fourth down, they're on their side of the 50 and just a few seconds left under 10 seconds left what are we playing who's on the field and you do this each week this is what you do in your in your Thursday night and Friday night meetings as as a coaching staff and they were they got caught with their pants down unprepared for that situation now look i i think mike norvell is a really good is a really good coach but this one's going to be at his feet. He's going to have to own it. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure he will, but the standard is the standard. And what we saw was not the standard. That, that was something else. And it was that from pretty close to start to finish. This was, this was a bad performance. This was a hangover performance, no doubt, after a short week, after an emotional loss to Notre Dame, no question but they mismanaged that hangover situation no doubt not not even a question they mismanaged it you have to know you have to have the, your finger on the pulse of your team and understand what you're doing there and they i think they misread it now obviously the implications of this are are significant i mean the first question is what does this do to recruiting and honestly i don't know I mean, the, one of the things that they're trying to do is to show proof of concept and growth to make sure that the guys that actually are championship caliber players who might want on your campus are convinced that they can actually win at that level. And the Notre Dame game really had a lot of those guys bought in that, yep, th- this looks like a changed program. And then if you they watched tonight, and I'm sure they did, they're looking at something that looks an awful lot like the product of the last four years. And beyond that, you're trying to show proof of growth, and you lose to a team that you beat 41-24 to 24 last year. It's brutal. And beyond that, how does this impact the rest of the season? I mean, will this team completely fall apart? I mean, it's going to be uphill to make a bowl from here, and these players, they know that. Despite what it looked like tonight, they're not dumb. I know, I, again, despite what it looked like tonight. They they understand that this is going to be an uphill battle the rest of the year. The question is, are they going to circle the wagons and b- buy in all the more and, and play with the effort level and the and the passion that they showed against Notre Dame to be able to play that kind of football? Or are they going to play like this? Because if they play like this, they could lose every game on the schedule. Yeah, every one. I, I meant what I said. Now, if they play like they did last week, they, they could win most of them. They could win a lot of those games. But this was... Something else I, I and you got a bunch of mercenaries on this team. you got guys that are that are that are transfers that are one- year guys. What happens as they're trying to figure out what to do? where they're going to be? Are they going to stay bought in? So stepping back from the final sequence and the implications of this low point should actually talk about some details that that stood out, and I'll do that after thanking the sponsors of this show, that is EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, Shenandoah Newsma of ShenRealEstate.com in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Keller Williams Realty affiliate there, Garage Makeovers in South Florida, Broward and Palm Beach County. Thank you to all of you for sponsoring this show, even when the product on the field that we're talking about looks far worse than any of you run your businesses. So thank you for that. So looking at at some details here, I mean, the defense actually played reasonably well for most of the game. I mean, when I'm looking at the numbers overall, I mean, the defense gave up 4.55 yards per play, including that final 59-yarder at the end. So, I mean, they were about 4.3 yards per play at that, at that point. Is that as good as what they would have liked? No, but they gave up 39 yards in the second half until the final two drives. Or final three. I mean, they, they basically... No, two drives, yeah. So, the final two drives, Jacksonville State went 11 plays for 97 yards and 10 plays for 83 yards aside from that you look at the second half and they were 3 3 yards 3 plays 9 yards 6 plays 22 yards 3 plays 1 yard 3 plays minus 17 yards that's getting it done defensively that's what you want second quarter wasn't much better forced fumble punt punt half they you know they gave up one drive in the first half so i mean they they actually played okay defensively okay now this was a team that was shut out by UAB last week. So let's not pretend that okay is what is the standard for Florida State defensively. But, I mean, it's a performance before all that, before the final two drives that, you know, you can live with. The defense was kind of hung out to dry most of the game. And so you say, well, you know, you guys stuck with it. You did your jobs. You hung together, gave up seven points, move on to next week. Hopefully the offense plays better. But, you know, they actually played pretty well right up until – their own coaches failed them there and obviously you know they could have played with more situational awareness themselves though they're again you're expecting a lot out of out of players at that point but even when they were playing a little better over the course of the game they just didn't finish again dropped interceptions multiple silly stupid penalties Missed assignments. Basically, the last four years of Florida State football, once again. And once again, these defensive backs, they just don't make plays. Still, man, they, but man, they look so good getting beat. I mean, you're talking about guys that, that they really look the part. I mean, you, you want to sculpt up a defensive back, a corner that looks good out there. And that's Travis J. man. That guy looks good. But once again, opportunity came to make a play, and he didn't finish. Jarvis Brownlee plays his heart out. He's a dog. He, he, that guy plays hard, plays fast. He does his assignments, and then doesn't finish. They've got to learn how to finish. I mean, the first step is knowing your assignment and, and doing your assignment and buying in. And by and large, you could see a lot of that. But the second step is finishing, and they are nowhere near that on defense, especially in the secondary. And the defensive line, for the most part, dominated this game. I mean, you look at Jacksonville State, they they couldn't run the ball. Jacksonville State, rushing attempts, 39 rushing attempts for 2.8 yards per rush. Some of that includes some sack yardage, but I mean... You can live with that. Defensive line did their jobs. But by the end of the fourth quarter, those starters on the defensive line, you could see the the impact of the lack of depth and the fact that those guys had to play so much in this game because the game stayed close so long. Jermaine Johnson was just completely... like He he was probably hallucinating out there with how he looked at the end. Still made a couple plays toward toward the end of the game, but, I mean, he and... Uh, and and Briggs and, and Lovett and some of these guys, they looked like they were just absolutely torched by the end of that game. They had nothing left. They left it on the field, and you got to respect them for that. But that's where the, the lack of depth and personnel is definitely showing up. And again, it's because the, defense, the defensive line didn't get help from the offense and from the secondary to finish plays, to finish the game. And on the offensive side of the ball, this was an, an absolute abomination. I mean, this offense completely fell apart in this game. There was no continuity through the course of the game. There, as they were very clearly trying to figure out their identity. This is a team that right now doesn't have an identity on offense. I mean, is it Jordan Travis trying to run around and make plays and basically running more or less an option attack where you're going to run the ball 60, 70 times, just try to get out with wins and scrape things out? Or are you trying to run your offense with Milton, who can do a lot more of the things that you're asking, to do, asking him to do, but he's not 100%, not as consistent as, like, as you'd like to see as a thrower, and obviously not getting a ton of help from his wide receivers. I mean, it doesn't matter if, you, if you're throwing it well if you can't catch. And that Helton drop in the first quarter I mean that cost him the game, every bit as much as the final play did. I mean, how different is this game if it's twenty-one to seven at the end of the first half because that because he made that play? And how different is this game if you get that momentum early and and this team starts playing bought in and and consistent and and has some momentum on on the offensive side and you start to gain a little bit of identity from that? I mean, this is a front-running bunch; it has been for years. So, I mean, what happens if if that? gets caught, and it looks easy going in, and all of a sudden you're rolling, this game goes in a completely different direction. But again, this is the this is the way that these things have gone. But beyond that, I mean, on the coaching side, I look at the numbers here, and I see 5.5 yards per rush on 37 rushing attempts. And this is after... I talked about in the Notre Dame game, one of the things that was most impressive to me about how they coached in that Notre Dame game is that they didn't give up on the run even when they were down 18. They kept running it. They kept to, to who they are, to, who, to, to what Norvell does offensively. They kept to that. And then you look at this game, and they're averaging 5.5 yards per rush and, throw it, and, and, and run it 37 times, and that includes some scrambles. But then they throw it 34 times for a total of 133 yards. That's 3.9 yards per attempt through the air. Do you realize how bad that is? I mean, you should be over 7 yards per attempt minimum. You, you, you want your quarterback to be over 8. And on the whole, Milton was through 31 times uh, for 133 yards, 4.2 yards per attempt, and Travis was 0 for 3, so that's 3.9 yards per attempt on 34 passing attempts. And again, that's not including the number of scrambles that you had in this game. I haven't totaled those up. This is, again, the Hot Takes podcast. I haven't gone through this again. But 37 rushing attempts for 5.5 5 yards. If you're averaging 5.5 5 yards per rush and 3.9 yards per, per attempt, and you're throwing it nearly as many times as you're running it, well... Do the math. They should have run it 60 times in this game. My impression watching this game was that they were trying to use this as a passing scrimmage, trying to get Milton and to a lesser extent Travis early in the game, but trying to get Milton his sea legs as a passer. And and, and this offense, it's legs on the, you know, basically figure out how to how to move the ball through the air in this game. They tried to use it as a passing scrimmage, but they did that before the game was won, and it bit them. Disrespect the game, and the game will make you pay. And they disrespected the game, and they disrespected Jacksonville State, and they came out, and they tried to force it. They tried to force a passing scrimmage, didn't execute it well enough, which is why they were trying to throw the ball more, because they know they need to be able to do it down the line. Didn't hand the ball off like they should have to some of the guys that that uh, that were actually having success for them. I mean, you look at this: Jayshon Corbin had 15 carries for 100, 109 yards and a touchdown, averaged 7.3 yards per carry. Tre'Shaun Ward averaged 5.6 yards per carry. They had 23 to- 23 total rushes between them. I want to know why those guys weren't fed the ball more. If you're self-scouting, that's, where you, that's what you circle coming out of this on the offensive side and say, that's where we screwed up. Should have handed the ball to those guys more, particularly in the first three quarters, gotten ourselves a lead, and then we could have played Pascal uh, all we wanted. But instead, you end up playing with your food, and your food eats you, your food escapes and then eats you. (laughs) Moreover, the one guy, and I think this is six years in a row, that the one guy that on this podcast we said in the preseason they couldn't lose has now gotten hurt. This time is Robert Scott. He didn't play most of the game, went down in the second quarter, I'm not sure what it was, but here we go again. This goes all the way back to, uh, to Derwin James. Saying, that's the one guy that this team can't lose. Well, Derwin got hurt. Then the next year, the one guy that, that, that this team can't lose is DeAndre Francois. Goes down in game one. And so on. I mean, you all remember the history. Well, at some point, you'd say, well, maybe maybe you just stop. Saying that maybe you're jinxing, but no at some i'm not gonna I'm not gonna take that approach at some point we're gonna flag that, and then that's not gonna happen but so far we're we're on quite a roll here. hopefully it's not gonna impact him long term, but you could definitely see the difference on the offensive line once they had to shuffle that around, especially since uh Dante Lucas was on the field and predictably got a couple key penalties so yeah, where do you go from here? I mean, again, this was a short week game after an emotional loss, and Notre Dame very well should have lost to Toledo today. I mean, they won by two in a last-minute throw for a touchdown. It was basically inverse of this game. Notre Dame pulled, one out, pulled a victory out of the jaws of defeat, and Florida State pulled a loss out of something, out of the jaws of whatever. It wasn't victory. And so, I mean, I think that makes it clear that Notre Dame is not as good as we thought. And I wasn't as high on them as most coming into the season. I thought that was probably a four or five loss Notre Dame team coming into the season. But I thought they, with, that, with the way the quarterback played last week, with how Jack Cohn looked last week, I thought maybe they'd, they'd be a little better than that. But they were also affected by the short week and the travel schedule after an emotional win. But, you know, you can see a little bit of the shine coming off of that close loss as well. But, yeah, I mean, this, even even given that, this was unnecessary and unacceptable and just cannot happen. And, frankly, I'm not sure how Florida State makes a bowl from here. Obviously, they have to beat Wake next week. I mean, that, that's, been some, that's been a game that's been circled around these parts since the schedule was made. But even if they beat Wake at this point, there's no guarantee that they make a bowl. It's going to be an uphill battle to make a bowl. Period. They're going to have to. They're going to basically have to win out up to uh, up to North Carolina and maybe pull an upset in that game. And you know that that's not a super likely upset. So you know they're going to have to get. They're going to have to pull basically three or four upsets to make a bowl this year. And again, where's this team's psyche going to be after this? I mean, what's going to happen in the locker room? Are they going to pull together? Are they going to trust their coaches? After this, are they going to trust each other? Are the mercenary transfers that that they brought in are they going to stay bought in? I mean, this could get ugly, or the ship could be righted quite a bit. I mean, this is this is a, a pivot point for the Mike Norvell regime in a lot of ways. Are they going to be able to get this group to to buy in and do their jobs and play with their hair on fire and execute on offense and do the things necessary to beat Wake Forest? And to pull a couple upsets and find a way into a bowl game this year, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm I must be a masochist because I'm going to keep watching and I'm going to find out whether or not they're they're actually going to come 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 and do their business and do that. But this is this is not the kind of game that I mean. Even if they'd won this game, this was going to be an ugly, hot takes edition just because they they really played poorly. I mean, they found every way possible. On both sides of the ball to punt this ball around and kick it around and uh, you know get stupid penalties and execute poorly and miss throws and drop balls and drop interceptions and all sorts of different things. They they could have won this game on any one of about fifteen different plays and each time they did not. You got to finish, finish the drill. That was that was something that that was a a team motto. One of the years that I was. Around and they do well to bring that back. Finish the drill. That's that's Florida State football. That's what Florida State football should be, and it's not what Florida State football has been of late. The Unconquered podcast is brought to you by EPR Creations, Lewis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, shenrealestate.com in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Garage Makeovers of Palm Beach and Broward County and the Unconquered Podcast shop at unconqueredpodcast.com, which features stickers, magnets, and other seminal gear. Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon, where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. I'm especially grateful to those above the Dynasty level, that is Andrew Garrett, Brian Leininger, Jonathan Kennedy, Lee Caswell, Travis Smith, Tyler Koshishki, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, post us on social media, and tell a friend. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this.